What's up, guys? It's Little D from FMF. When I'm not mixing gas and hauling ass, I'm listening to Big MX Radio. Hey, guys, what's up? This is Andy Frisella here. You're listening to Big MX Radio. But when you're done with this episode, come check out the MFCEO project, mfceo.com. I got all your motivation. I've got everything you need to know about running your brand. I've got everything you need to know about getting shit done, and we can do it together. started. Big MX Radio, brought to you by Fly Racing USA, is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. W Wheels USA, Moto Ice Wrap, Viral Goggle Bread, and Maxima USA make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop on Big MX Radio. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast Show brought to you by FMF. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt, with us on the line. He runs FMF, and he won this past weekend. Probably could have won the 450 class as well. Goes by the name of Aaron Plessinger. Aaron, how's it going? It is going mighty fine, Brad. How are you? How you doing? Hey, I'm not doing too bad, my friend. Uh... Just a few days from heading down to the Minneapolis Supercross, Seattle's in the rear view mirror, and uh, I'm talking to uh, this last weekend's number one guy. It's it's uh, I got no reason not to smile. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, uh, says it's supposed to snow down in Minneapolis, so uh, you better bring your better bring your winter coat. <laughs> hey, n- nothing uh, that's out of the ordinary for me. I actually live about eight hours north of there, so uh, winter is kind of my bag, my friend. Actually, I escape it every year by coming down to SoCal to cover those rounds. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely pack the parka, maybe uh, maybe some uh, some snowball making equipment, and uh, we'll we'll make the best. Of it. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could go play in the snow, but I gotta stay out here. You ready for the outdoors? Fair enough. Uh, like uh, speaking of which, like how much experience do you ha- do you have with snow, and what what type of winter activities have you done in the past? Um, well, actually, being from Ohio, I uh, have uh, learned how to snowboard. But I haven't nice. I haven't done it in like four years, but um, used to go sledding all the time, and uh, yeah, it's um, I'm pretty I'm pretty familiar with the snow and. And, uh, yeah, I kind of miss it from time to time, but it actually snowed out here, not, uh, this winter. And, uh, that was, that was pretty, uh, pretty exciting. I got to ride in it while it snowed. <laughs> well, there you go. A little bit of snow motos in my, my second race ever when I was about 12 years old. Uh, absolute, like just snow everywhere. The fr- ground was frozen. So it was like whipped cream on top of an ice rink. Not so much fun. Uh, did you ever learn how to skate while you're up there living in uh, Ohio? Is it, you live in the, like near the Cleveland area or closer to, uh, Columbus? It was, uh, actually I, I lived close to Cincinnati. So, okay. so really close to, um, really close to Kentucky, but I went to, I, you, I went skating a couple times, but not, uh, not, not too much. I learned how to skate backwards and that's about it. <laughs> Fair enough. Not breaking into the NHL anytime soon, but that's a good thing because, uh, you've been lighting it up as far as the, the, the 250 class on the, on the West coast is concerned, uh, doing quite well in, uh, in all, in, uh, the triple crown events as well as, uh, the, uh, as far as laps led, maybe not as many, as many as the other guys, but, uh, it's all about the, that points lead of which you now currently have, I believe 17 points, uh, going into the final three rounds of the series. You got, four wins and uh looking pretty good uh all things going to plan i imagine yeah for sure um it's it's crazy to think i have a 17 point lead now but um yeah at the at the beginning of the season i was kind of struggling with starts a little bit like 
A one, it was. Uh, I think I started like sixth and had to come and come through the pack and ended up second there. And then uh, I actually took the points lead um, in Houston at the second round. But I started in like I think I started in like 18th or something and uh, crossed the first crossed the finish line the first lap in 10th. So it was uh, it was a struggle try, uh, trying to get that win, but uh, pulled it off. And, it was uh it was really good and then um A two didn't really go as planned for me. I uh I think I got seventh overall and I um I actually lost a points lead but I I gained it back um while I was in Phoenix. Um actually yeah, that was my first first good start in the of the year. And uh yeah, after that I just kinda kept the ball rolling and uh, went to Oakland. Uh, I was actually really sick for Oakland and um, had to really, really push through that one, but um, got the uh, got the win and extended my points lead by a little bit. And, uh, yeah, that was um, – actually, San Diego didn't really go, <laughs> go too well. I crashed in the whoops, ended up breaking a rib, and um, I think I got – seventh or eighth in that one um not too sure but uh came back for indianapolis the uh east west shootout and um me and zach osborne got uh got locked up on the start and um had to come back from pretty much dead last i think i was dead last out of the corner and uh yeah pushed hard and and um got fifth in that one and then uh last weekend I um I did it big, got the whole shot and and uh ran away with it. There was <laughs> there were some ruts for sure. It was about two feet deep around the whole track, so that was uh that was a crazy race. But yeah, everything's going to plan, everything's falling into place now and um yeah, I just gotta keep being smart in these last uh last few races and hopefully I can uh get that number one plate. Well, there it goes. But battling adversity and, and maybe I think one of your most impressive rides of the year, uh, dialing it back to Houston. I'm not too sure which was uh, m- more of a, a, an ace in your hole, the uh, going going two over the table and then just launching it onto the flat um, in the corner, uh, in the section before the whoops, or your whoop speed, which uh, if someone had a, uh, had a, a like a stopwatch on just that section there, I think you were probably going just about as fast as anybody uh, on the planet that particular night. So I think that those are the two of your kind of keys to success that particular weekend. But um, yeah, and then this week, this last weekend, uh, that's the like that's how we wish they could all be, right? That's uh, heat race, walk away, uh, main event, walk away, bikes barely dirty, and then uh, a nice swan dive to cap it off. <laughs> yeah, for sure, it's uh, definitely makes it easier when you get the whole shot. And uh, I knew that one was going to be really, really critical with uh, with all the mud and stuff. You don't want to get roosted. And um, yeah, when I came out first, I was like. I was I was super stoked because I knew I wasn't gonna have to deal with roost and then um yeah, I just rode smart and smooth and uh Joey ended up crashing behind me and couldn't get his bike up and uh yeah, I came around when when the two lap or when there was two laps left and, and it was they actually shortened it to eight minutes and I was like real confused when when my mechanic put two laps on the board and I was like Sweet, let's just got out here. Just, come on, let's get it. <laughs> yeah, well, what was your thoughts on how short that was? Um, like a, a a pretty drastic cut to the to the length of the race. Obviously, uh, with with the mind uh, kind of the, the keeping in mind the the machines and the destruction to those those engines. Not like you guys don't rebuild them almost every race anyway, but uh, just having guys be able to finish is a is a whole other bag of fish. Um, like, what, what were what was your thoughts on on shortening it that much? Uh, like, maybe I, I thought maybe a twelve minute main might have been more uh, appropriate, but uh, I guess as the race leader, race winner, I guess you were kind of happy to see that. Uh, uh, she was called early. Um, I mean, kinda, I kind of actually forgot about it when the gate dropped. Um, and then when I came around and saw the two lap board, I kind of remembered it. But, um, yeah, I mean, 
I was actually having fun, so <laughs> they could have they could have went the whole main, and I would have I would have been fine and, and uh, just cruising, riding, being smart, and uh, yeah, trying to conserve the bike. But you know, it was uh, it was it was pretty good to get it over with and not have to <laughs> not have to worry about going another lap and um, kind of risking risking blowing the bike up and and or losing the clutch so and i mean shoot people were blowing bikes up left and right in the heat races so um yeah it was uh it was a it was a smart move on on ama's part on uh shortening the race but um yeah it was it was a little shorter than i would have thought they would do but you know no, absolutely. It's uh, airing on the shy caution, never a bad thing, but definitely uh, turned out good on on your side. So um, I gotta ask here, like, and I don't know if you can even really answer the question because it's maybe not something that uh, you're cognitive of, but like rolling into this weekend, you're obviously excited about the uh, the, uh, the the conditions. They're muddy. Uh, that's something that you excel at. It, it's uh, built into your technique and your handling of the situation. And I think that brings you into a positive mindset um, that on, uh, kind of compounds that uh, the the enhancement of your abilities in the mud. That makes it you just even that much more lethal. But what 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 do you t- make about the uh, kind of the mental game or the mental aspect of all of your competitors knowing they're like oh shit, he's really good at this. Oh, look at him being really good at this. I suck at this. This sucks. And, not, and that, that just like what, what it turned out to be was uh, a situation where you're in a league of your own. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the mindset in the mud is probably 75% of it. If you go in thinking this is going to be fun, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a blast riding this stuff. You're going to do exactly that and you're going to probably ride good. But if you go into it and you're bummed out because it is muddy and you don't like the mud and you're going to ride like crap, that's probably how it's going to go. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it honestly, my mindset on Saturday, I think kind of <laughs> psyched a couple people out because, um, I was just smiling the whole time around uh, around the pits and stuff and um, and the interviews and stuff. So I think uh, that might have psyched a couple people out and that might have helped me help me to the win. But absolutely, I've uh, I've always I've always liked the mud and been happy when I'm riding it. So it's uh, that's definitely a plus. <laughs> For sure, like, I, I don't want to discount your skills in the mud whatsoever, but I think honestly that your your approach to it, the positivity of it, it just seemed to uh, just like like kind of compound itself is in to make you that much more dominant this past weekend. And and getting to the the technique side of things, um, obviously standing a lot more more than than some of the other riders were, and just uh, in line choice, kind of take us through what are some of the tricks of the trade, uh, other than the mental side of it, to to navigate the track, um, to absorb some of those jumps when you do end up taking some air and maybe come up short on things what were some of the things that you were, you were concentrating on um one the biggest thing i was concentrating on is keeping my momentum and uh not actually stopping and letting the mud pack up in my wheels and and uh get all it's like you're riding a street tire after that but um you know, that was that was the biggest thing I was focused on is keep moving and keeping my momentum up. But um another thing that helped me to do that was standing up and my dad <laughs> my dad actually used to take my seat off and make me do ten or fifteen minute motos with my seat off, just standing up. And um I think uh, I think that comes into play for sure. Um when you're riding mud just because it helps you go straight and you can squeeze with your legs instead of when you're sitting down you're just kind of like all over the place i mean i was watching um i was watching some of the 450s and you could see right when they sat down their bike would just go all over the place because they're not squeezing or um they don't have much weight on the pegs and um 
yeah, that was, I mean, that was pretty much the two major things I was really, I was really worried about <clears throat> going into the main and that's what I really focused on throughout it. Well, there you go. Absolutely. It, it was evident that you did have a different technique and it was working for you and uh, like kind of a, a vision into the secret sauce. It turns out some of the guys that used to train me back in the day had the right idea by taking my seat off almost immediately at the time of getting to the track. Um, and <clears throat> you mentioned the, the, the work that your dad has done, but also your, uh, your right-hand man, Ethan, uh, is no, no stranger to mud and ra- racing in those GNCCs. I believe he even has a, G- a GNCC title to his own credit how much of a feather in your cap is having a guy like that around at the races knowing that uh just different ways you can set up the motorcycle whether you put in a stiffer spring raid or, or something along those lines uh the two of you are kind of like put your heads together and make this happen yeah yeah for sure ethan's uh ethan's awesome to have around we uh we pretty much grew up racing together in uh gntc's and um you know i uh he he actually blew out his knee in 2013 right before uh right before the steel creek gncc and then he's dealt with that pretty much for the rest of the for the rest of the time he's still dealing with it right now but uh you know he's uh he's a really big help with with helping me with everything um from going to the practice tracks just uh just helping me out everywhere and um yeah he's a he's a big help to have around just knowing what he knows and 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 trying to talk to me and trying to keep the mood pretty light it's um it's awesome to have him around the truck for sure absolutely and in uh, a support system is basically, I think, the X factor for a lot of professional athletes, especially motocross racers, because there's so much focus involved. And I feel like uh, your support system probably is rivaled by by very few in the pits, whether it, it be um, uh, the W training facility, a state-of-the-art facility to do your work in, a guy like Swanee to, to direct where what you're going to do once you get there, and as well as uh, like a guy like Seth, um, Seth Rarick, to, to also take you through some of those exercises and on top of that, a pretty extensive kick-ass yoga uh, training uh, program that you've been um, participating in. Um, how does that all kind of uh, commingle itself? How does it all come together to something that you can basically just focus on going fast on two wheels? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so Swanee helps me out uh, in the gym and on the bike. He um, he's pretty much the the go-to guy if I. Um, or whenever I work out and whenever I'm at the track, he, uh, he's with me every time I'm, uh, doing those things. And then, um, yeah, we go to the W training facility. That's where we hit the gym and, uh, do our yoga classes, which, which the, um, the yoga classes, they, they help us to stretch out and, and keep our, keep our muscles pretty, pretty limber and, and not, uh, not too stiff to where when we crash, we can kind of roll out of it instead of, instead of that muscle tightening up and, and breaking bones. So I, um, I try to do that as much as I can. And then, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, Swanee, uh, Swanee knows what to do in the gym. So he's, 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 He's on my ass every uh, every second of the day trying to trying to get me to do it. Um, now nah, I, I listen to him all the time, and uh, he's he's probably the best trainer that's that's pretty much ever trained me. He knows he knows what he's doing, and and uh, obviously, and hopefully uh, hopefully we can take this in the outdoors and, and do some damage out there as well. <laughs> Absolutely, and, and honestly, like for my, myself, I've also uh, taken up yoga in the last six months or so. Not as much to to get into the Zen sort of thing, but I don't know about you, but I'm about as undisciplined as it comes when it comes to uh, stretching and, and keeping. And, and so, if you can set some time aside with a particular yoga class, it kind of tricks you into focusing on stretching in, in in that sort of environment. It's almost like uh, like you think you're doing yoga, but what you're really doing is stretching and getting that mobility that you need. To, and you do hit the ground, so you bounce and bend rather than snap. Like, uh, like you don't want that to happen. Yeah, yeah, definitely not. You, uh, you definitely want to 
want to get that uh that tightness out and um definitely when you hit the ground so you can roll roll out of it instead of instead of tightening up and and breaking but um yeah i mean i i started shoot four i think it's three and a half four years ago and i have i've i've i don't don't even know it's it's crazy how much better i am at it now than i was back then like i would go in there and and make all sorts of noises trying to stretch my muscles out i couldn't even touch my toes and now i'm I'm basically pro at it <laughs> Just, uh, pro pro at yoga pro at motocross and uh obviously you've been focusing on supercross for so long obviously people some people forget that we've got an outdoor championship coming up uh coming up soon i know you've already been doing some uh putting in some time uh training for that heading out to uh the different tracks in southern california what's the the schedule been like so far for you and getting reacclimated to opening up those turns and uh also opening up the throttle yeah, for sure. So um, after San Diego, actually, we went straight into outdoor training. Um, it definitely took me a couple of days to get used to it, get used to the soft suspension and and uh, going about 70 miles an hour. But, um, you know, I I uh, got used to it pretty quick. And, um, yeah, I think uh, we did motos for... I think four, three, some days or some weeks, three days a week, some weeks four. And uh, I think we did two motos every, shoot, I think, I think we did six to eight motos every week up until um, Indianapolis. And uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm really focused on, I'm trying to get this outdoor title this year because uh I think um I don't know in my in my mind it's it it's way more gnarly and it's I don't know it just it just comes to me as if you win outdoors you can pretty much win anything and uh I I really want to do that that was probably uh my first goal coming into pro racing is uh get an outdoor title so i've yet to do that so i'm, I'm trying to i'm trying 200 percent this year so 200. hopefully we'll uh yep. <laughs> yeah hopefully we'll show out well 200 percent all in that that is 100 percent all in that that is 200 percent all in uh and and by my calculations uh you will also be very much uh like as you like as the, the that championship looks to to wrap wrap up around the end of August, uh, I think you'll also be expecting uh, some more company around that time. <laughs> yeah, so July thirtieth, um, I'm having a baby boy. Boom. Um, yeah. So PW50, <laughs> PW and uh, and YZ sixty five already purchased. I imagine. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully, Yamaha. Uh, Helps me out on that. <laughs> Hopefully, I can get one of those ready for him. Perhaps a championship when, uh, bonus. Forget about ready. the money. I want a PW and a sixty-five. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could, I could ask him about it. I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe half the half the championship bonus <laughs> in a PW. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I still need a few bucks. You can't. You guys can't get. Can't uh, can screw me that. Totally. Totally like that. Otherwise, I just end up buying my own damn bike. But uh, no. And on top of that, like hopefully a championship also comes with an extra special dance move that I'm sure you've been using the 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 W training facility to work on in top secret. Any clues as to what you have in the works? Oh, uh, I gotta. I gotta keep that a secret. I gotta. I gotta surprise everybody. I'll, I'll, I don't know. There's there's endless possibilities. I haven't even that hasn't even went through my mind yet. But I imagine there there's gonna be a backflip in there somewhere there's with a- boots and a helmet on. So just be looking out for it. <laughs> Two week break. He's gonna be working on the uh, is it the Carl Edwards backflip off the off the car? You can just do that off the seat of the bike. I if if somebody will hold the bike up for me, I'll I'll be glad to do that. 
There we go. All right, so let's uh, finish off this uh, interview with five quick questions. Sound good? Sounds good. Awesome. What was your favorite motocross video growing up? Um, I think it was Revol- Revolu- Revelation 199 or Revolution 199, I think. I can't remember. I haven't seen it like... 10 years. It was a Travis Pastrana movie. Yes, Revelation 199, a little bit of a biblical reference there, but uh, unbelievable video. I had that on VHS, probably wore that thing out. Oh, yeah. I, I did it. I, I watched it until the the tape got spun out and wouldn't work no more. <laughs> Perfect. Um, if you were to, uh, if you're c- cooking for uh, your your lovely girlfriend, you you've ran out of BC Fit meals to throw in the oven uh, to quickly make up for yourself. What is uh, what, what what's Aaron Plessinger making for dinner? Does it have to be healthy? No, absolutely not. No, this is off season eating. Ooh, your boy's making a homemade pizza. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. What's on the pizza? What are we talking? Uh... Me and me and Kendall are pretty plain, so we maybe uh, maybe some extra cheese. Yeah, we're thinking pepperoni and, and cheese. Whole, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. There we go. Fair. You're enough. talking. Okay, so back home, we're sticking with the off-season theme here. Um, we got some extra time on our hands, and it's like the absolute prime time to go fishing. Where is the secret at, uh, Aaron Plessinger uh, fishing spot? Anywhere I can find a little river. Okay. I love fishing rivers. Um, I mean, they don't. They usually don't provide the biggest fish, but it's it is awesome fishing river. I'll I'll take my truck and drive it up, walk down, walk back up, and it is it's the most fun I've probably ever had. It's it's unreal walking rivers and fishing. Fair enough. Get, get taking that Toyota Escondido truck out to the river and uh, and and catching some fish. Or do you do you do you catch and eat the fish, or are you just catching and throwing them back? What's the deal there? Um, I'm sure if I was camping, I'd, I'd catch and eat, but um, I I always just usually catch and release. But I'm never camping, so. Hopefully we'll uh, we'll get to there soon. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Well, maybe some maybe some of this this next off season, unless you've got a busy one coming up, which I think you probably will. Uh, this next off season, <laughs> switching possibly to of uh, uh, maybe two hundred more cc's of a motorcycle. Um, final question for you before I let you go: uh, How does Aaron Plessinger take his coffee? Um, honestly, I drink my coffee black. <laughs> I drink it black, maybe a little sugar now and then, but yeah, I'm kind of a plain guy. I just like straight black coffee. Straight black coffee. If 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 any fans are out there, um, and they're 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 wanting to bring something by the uh, like the, the early morning, if they wanted to bring a coffee by the by the semi, you you, you just take it black. Yes, sir. Fair enough. And uh, and what does somebody have to do to get a uh, a signed Aaron Plessinger uh, Thor cat jersey? What uh, is is, it, is there any possibility that we can wrangle up more, like a a herd of those cats and maybe give one of those away? I believe so. Um, do we have to talk to Eric Stores? Maybe we might. But uh, if yeah, I mean, I think. Maybe actually, I don't know if I have any more, but we can we can uh, round some cats up and we can give one away for sure. Okay, perfect. We'll we'll talk about that off air. But uh, Aaron, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show, my friend. Always well spoken. I wish you the best with your two weeks off, twisting the throttle, getting ready for outdoors, and uh, yeah, keep doing what you're doing, man. Because clearly, it's working. Hey, <laughs> man, I appreciate it, and thank you, uh, thank you for having me on the show, and uh, yeah, I really appreciate it. Awesome, man. Well, don't hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we're going to cut it off right there. <laughs> hey, everyone. Let's take a break and listen to some commercials quickly, then we'll be right back to the podcast. Thanks for listening. In motorsports, the action pulls us in, and often we never get close enough to the exhilaration and athletes that amaze us. Although trackside seats are available, 
Nothing gets you closer to motocross and supercross action than the collective experience. Dave Drake's has created an exclusive opportunity to get you closer to the sport you love so much. If you want an all-access experience with Adam or Tyler Entick-Knapp, Henry Miller, John Ames, or even the cat, AJ Catanzaro, you need to check out the collective experience today. The collectivexp.com as well as the collective ex on Instagram is where you can find the collective experience. Do so immediately. The collective experience. Nobody gets you closer. What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well, you better feel up with the nutritious breakfast with oats and bran. Oats and bran? I didn't think there was such a thing. That's what I used to think. Now, I start every morning with a bowl of Amigos. For extreme kids like us. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey, kids, start out every morning with a fat bowl. What's up, guys? It's Bruce Cook here with Nitro Circus. We're coming to Kelowna, B.C., May 25th for the Next Level Tour, and I'm so stoked to see you there. The most action-packed event on the planet is back, bigger and crazier than ever before, with the largest ramps you've ever seen. Nitro Circus, the global youth entertainment phenomenon, returns to North America this year with the epic Next Level Tour. This spectacular brand new production, an all-moto adrenaline rush, will have depth-defying tricks, jaw-dropping world's firsts, and absurd stunts. It all adds up to a thrilling show simply too big to fit indoors. The Next Level Tour launches mid-May, just in time for summer, and will visit over 10 cities across the continent through June. Brainchild of Travis Pastrana, global superstar, action sports icon, and Nitro Circus ringleader, the Next Level Tour features the best athletes in action sports taking on the biggest ramps in the world. The Nitro Circus design team has put it all on the line with this show, doubling down on the risk factor. The FMX Next Level Takeoff Ramp alone, a towering 15 feet above the show floor, a whopping 5 feet taller than any ramp toured before, will launch riders more than 60 feet into the sky. The landing ramp also looms large, standing 23 feet in height. The Nitro Circus Next Level Tour will include several athletes, including Bruce Cook, Jared McNeil, Jared Duffy, Blake, Bilko Williams, and many more. For more information, visit nitrocircus.com. Hey guys, it's Fly Racing's Justin Brayton, winner of the 2018 Daytona Supercross. You're listening to the Big MX Radio. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast Show brought to you by FMF. I am your host, Brad Gephardt. With us on the line, we've got Brandon Lethal Leith. Brandon, how's it going? Pretty good. We just finished up with a day of riding out at Milestone, and we're heading home. Heading home from Milestone, something that a lot of riders are doing pretty much uh, just about six days a week when it comes to Supercross time. Uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. <laughs> There's a lot of people obviously know uh, how you did this last weekend, uh, where you ended up in qualifying, but uh, uh, let's, let's spin the clocks back a little bit. Who the heck is Brandon Lee? So I'm from Eagle Mountain, Utah, and we turned pro when I was 16 years old and back in 2013, so I'm 21 now. And uh, this would be my second year of Supercross, and this year has been a, a really good for, year for us. My uh, my girlfriend moved to California with me, and she really started helping me out a lot with a lot of the nutrition stuff like that, which made a huge difference for us and really held me accountable for the things I was doing. And so this year, we made four out of five mains, and this was the first year we actually made a main. So we're super happy with how this year is going, and we're just trying to keep the momentum going, and keep getting better. 
Absolutely, and you've definitely been doing that. How does it come together that you found yourself to be with the uh, the, the Rockwell Racing Team? Um, they've they've been developing over a, a number of years now, developing a, a program, and um, yeah, they, they they seem to really have uh, some good footing underneath them. How do they come across you and the uh, the three eighty eight machine? Yeah, it's kind of funny. They uh, they had a guy that went to Arena Cross, Ryan Brees, so they had a fill-in right. ride. So Chris Elliott actually messaged me on Instagram and said, hey, would you be interested in doing Seattle and Super, Seattle Supercross and Salt Lake Supercross with us and kind of be like a, like a tryout, fill-in type of ride for next year? And I was like, yeah, for sure. So we, you know, we figured it all out, got everything sorted, and we went racing. It was awesome. Well, there you go. Um, putting all things together, Chris Elliott, a guy who used to twist the throttle, a guy that used to uh, give out, also takes a lot of slap shots and probably a few punches to the face while playing hockey, uh, also likes to hand out <laughs> nicknames. Uh, I don't think he was too imaginative when he called. He started calling you Lethal. Yeah, Chris, uh, he picked up on that one pretty quick. Probably uh, the third text in, he, he had the nickname all dialed in. Perfect. Yeah, he's quick with that sort of thing. He said, "I'm uh, I'm jealous of not I, that I don't particularly have a nickname yet, but I just don't think that he. I, I just think he's not willing to say it, say whatever nickname he has for me to my face." <laughs> well, I'm sure whatever he comes up with, it'll be a good one. He's a pretty quick guy. That he is now, uh, and, and you're pretty quick on a motorcycle. Um, what uh, what type of things do you work on week to week, getting ready for uh, each round of Supercross? Obviously, you got a couple, of we- couple of weeks off right now, but what are some of the things that you're working on on a place like Milestone? Obviously, the the track layout hasn't changed too much over the last few months, so uh, you, now it's it's working on the small things. Yeah, the track at Milestone stayed stayed pretty similar for the the past couple months but we try to you know we'll go out one day and say okay we're gonna go outside triple out of this turn and then the next day we'll go out and say okay we're gonna roll double out of this turn and just we try and switch it up as much as we can with the tracks we're given there's only two tracks down here so we just make the most of it and we uh we usually sit down on sunday and draw out our week and try and stagger it. we do sprints on monday and then we do long motos on tuesday sprints on wednesday and just kind of go back and forth and work on the little things we'll watch uh you know, guys that are faster than us. I'll have my girlfriend report me and them, and then I'll see where they're faster, and we'll go from there. Uh, Girlfriend's whipping out the video crammer to do uh, some reconnaissance, making sure that uh, the lap times are what they need to be. So this weekend you're rolling in. uh, You're expecting to be on a green bike. You end up on a teal bike. How does that all come together? And, uh, and, And were you turning heads for all the right reasons this weekend? Yeah, I thought the bike looked awesome. You know, it's something different. I think it's always cool when you do something different. You know, everyone tends to stay the same, it seems like, and just switch it up and be outside the box. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, it was was teal. I think we're going to go with teal for that that colorway of the uh, Acherby's plastics. Uh, How much of a difference was your machine from what you were racing and and riding on prior to getting this ride? I know you were on a Kawasaki, but I think uh, you might have had a few different uh, bolt-on parts. Yeah, a couple different things, but it was still my bike. So we uh, we just put their plastics on my bike and then okay. changed some little things. It was more, the what we switched up more was really my gear. I had to change helmets, gear, boots. So that was the biggest difference for me was switching all that up. My bike, for the most part, is what it was. Same suspension, same motor. So everything like that was good. How We didn't have to switch too much up. Well, fair enough. So now you're you're an uh, FXR guy coming from. I'm not actually entirely sure what uh, kind of gear you were riding prior to that. What what did, what did you switch from? What was the biggest change for you going from one uh, one set of gear to another? Yeah, we were in the uh, strict gear, and I had been for the past three years or so. So that was quite a quite a change for us. Um, we went from a 60 helmet to an Arai, which was a little different. The the pads are a little thicker, so it actually was throwing me off it almost felt like i had earplugs in but i mean now i'm used to it and it feels fine you know and then we switched from cd boots to tcx boots and i got along with those straight away and i was a little nervous because whenever you switch boot companies you know you you have your feel but i left those boots straight from the get-go so i was super stoked on them 
Yeah, absolutely. It, it's a uh, it's a different feel, especially with your feet. You want to know where you're 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 gripping on the motorcycle. It's a very personal relationship between the, yourself and the bike. Uh, helmet uh, is something you can get used to. Gear as well, like uh, jersey and pants aren't too crazy. Kind of funny that you would go. Yeah. Like, it's not too many guys that can switch gear brands and go from one Canadian brand to another. <laughs> I know it is funny. It's funny how it worked out like that. So uh, the the rest of the rounds coming in, uh, you've got uh, Salt Lake City and Vegas. Uh, the last two rounds, uh, is there another one? No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so uh, what's what's the game plan? And you, you mentioned this is a bit of a tryout for yourself. So what kind of pressure do you put on yourself to uh, perform uh, with a, a guy like Chris Elliott breathing down your neck? Because everyone knows he is a hard ass manager. <laughs> yeah, Chris is just a gnarly dude. No, Chris is super nice, and he was awesome all weekend. And, uh, you know, for us, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves all year, but just because we know, you know, I know that I'm, I'm 21 years old now, I'm not 16 anymore. So I actually told myself at the beginning of the year, Hey, if you don't, you know, start making mains improving and you might want to look at go getting a job because, you know, you got to get it done sooner or later. So we've had the, the same goals all year long, which is, you know, first off, just get in the main event, have a good qualifying session, get in the main. And then when we get in the main, we're really trying to focus on, uh, you know, top 15, I think, is realistic for us. I think that's a good goal. I think we'd be racing around fast people with that. And if we can do that, and even if we didn't get top 15, but we rode the whole main as hard as we could, didn't get tired in it, I would be happy. Well, there you go. So let's talk a little bit about this weekend's uh, race in Seattle. Um, You were the fastest qualifier, period, 450s, 250s, you name it. Number one, number one gate pick in the second qualifier. So you get to you get to see all the, the guys in the first qualifier uh, blowing their bikes up and whatnot. Um, <laughs> like th- th- this was huge. You you were faster than anyone out there this weekend. Yeah, it was awesome. We were we were super happy with it. Um, coming into Seattle, I knew that I'd be in the B group because I didn't do San Diego because I had a foot injury and I tore a bunch of ligaments in my foot and I didn't do that. Uh, combined race as well so we we knew we'd be in the b group and even if it wasn't muddy we were saying you know from weeks ago we're going to be in the b group we're going to have a fresh track that's a good opportunity to hopefully qualify inside the top 12 was our goal you know like inside the top 12 15 on a rutted track i knew that i have a good chance because the track would be better and when the rain started coming down i just i knew that that track was going to get worse and worse and worse and so as soon as they threw that green flag i uh went as fast as I could and saw myself on top of the board in the B practice. I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, hopefully that puts us somewhere in the top 12, you know, and then when it stayed, it was, it was almost like we didn't have words for it. I was like, I, I don't even know what happened. That was, it was awesome though. You know, it was really cool. For sure. You, you, you're just uh, a mud master, my friend. It just seems like uh, n- <laughs> nobody had anything for your stuff, and uh, including uh, the 450 class, I believe, as much as five seconds off the pace. Like, uh, do you just kind of uh, take that result sheet over to uh, the, 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 the Rockstar truck and just be like, hey, I'm putting out resumes. Let me know. <laughs> yeah, I should. I should have uh, trucked on over there and puffed my chest out, but I, I don't know how they would have felt about that one. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. And that's just such a well, more, well, warm welcome that you'd be anticipating. But you took that into the uh, the heat race and uh, came away with a ninth place in the heat race, which puts you into the main event. Uh, probably not the gate pick you were looking for, but into the main event is is uh, obviously where we need to be. Um, once the the gate dropped for that main event, was it pure survival out there? Yeah, it was pretty much pure survival. I was trying to stay off my clutch as much as possible and in the heat and the mains i really wish i could have got better starts so i could have started up there with the fast guys because i do feel pretty comfortable in the mud and i think i could have you know had a better heat race and a better main event with better starts but i just uh got off to some rough starts so in the, in the heat i actually made probably four or five six maybe maybe even six passes to get into nine and then the main we passed a couple people and then uh we just kind of settled in and tried to stay off the ground, keep the clutch fresh, not burn out. Absolutely. So, like, what, what's the uh, the the technique to keeping that that clutch 
fresh in the mud because everyone like when you're in the mud you want to you, you get frantic a little bit you you want to keep the revs up you want to keep the momentum up um and but with that often you're you're, you're kind of laying on the clutch how do you stay off of it how do you uh get away from those tech that technique yeah i was i was just trying to shift a lot you know get into a low gear in the turn so i wasn't in say you know third gear lugging it around i was in second with uh so i wouldn't have to clutch as much and then i was just trying to once I pulled it in, instead of really feathering it out of the turns, just let it all the way out when I was done with it, and then just let it go, you know, so I didn't have a finger out there the whole time and uh, burn it up, because if you, you burn it up, you were screwed, you know, like Cinderella did in that, that heat race, and that was pretty scary to see, because you're like, oh, the heat race is, you know, six laps. Luckily, they shortened it, so it wasn't as bad as it would have been 15-minute main. Yeah, 15-minute main, I think there's a lot of bikes that uh, may not have made the main. Even still with the eight laps, uh, like Aaron was able to get well into the, the lappers. Uh, how impressed were you with a guy like Aaron Plessinger who um, basically made it look like it wasn't very muddy outside? Yeah, he, he was impressive. He uh, When he came around to, to lap me, he was ripping right along, feet on the pegs, and I was like, all right, dude, you're ripping. It was pretty cool. I uh might have to go race some GNCCs and see if that helps at all. Fair enough. Well, I think that might only really come in handy on the, the most extreme of conditions. But uh, coming mm-hmm. from Utah, how, how much um, like mud experience did you have coming into this? Is it, do you guys have a lot of snow and rain? I guess with being the mountains, every time that I seem to drive through Utah, it's uh, either raining or snowing on me. So maybe you guys do get a fair bit of mud. Yeah, we get a little bit. Honestly, not too much. I did a... Uh one mud race last year that was really muddy and it was honestly good practice for Seattle while I was out there. It gave me like a similar feeling to that track, but we probably only have one mud race a year in Utah. And, uh, I spent my winters in California when we raced Supercross, So I'm not even there too much for the muddy season. I'm usually there when it's just hot and dry. Fair enough. Yeah. Get, get out of there. I'm, uh, you know, I'm from Winnipeg. I get the heck out of here. January, February, get me away from the minus 30, get me closer to the, to, to the 90 degree mark, uh, or at least as close yeah. as it can be in, in California in, uh, in the middle of January and February. Um, so why, why do you choose to ride Kawasaki's? Why the, uh, the number 388? Uh, we've, we've been on Cowies forever. I've actually never ridden a different big bike brand. So it's just kind of what we know, you know, we, uh, I got on them. I went from a YZ125 after 85s and then I went to a Cowie 250F and we just stuck with them and, uh, they're good. You know, I think they're a good all, I think that they have good torque for Supercross and they still handle good for outdoors. So we like that. And then the, uh, the 388, I I really don't have a story behind it. We used to be 38 and then we went to a, amateur national i think it was world mini back in when it was in vegas forever ago and they told us we couldn't have it so we threw another eight on and it just kind of stuck from there fair enough the three the 388 comes comes to you that way kawasaki's uh till till he dies i guess and unless uh unless star <laughs> racing comes knocking after that uh top qualifying spot um when, when it comes to um like next year when you're looking to lock down a team, whether you're with uh, the Rockwell team or, or someone else, how do you, how does uh, a guy like yourself advertise yourself or approach sponsors to, to lend a help, uh, helping hand for a particular year? Like what are some of the selling points that you have on your program? You know, that's probably my worst part of the game is sponsors and stuff like that. I, uh, I'm not too big of a social person, you know, like I don't like to, go up to people and say, Hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm good. I can do this. I'm pretty shy, pretty held back. So I wish I could, uh, I need to get better at that talking to people and getting out there more. But, um, you know, we send out emails to anyone, any emails we know, and we see what kind of support we get and we just go racing from there. Fair enough. And so, so what are some of the better, um, relationships that you've developed over the years obviously you, you're in with the strict guys pretty well and uh you you had some you've had you had a ton of great sponsors before uh getting the opportunity with uh, with rockwell who are some of the guys that you like some of the, the best relationships you've developed over your uh, professional career so far yeah so we've had uh some pretty good ones i have a local shop that helps me out duff's racing duff shelley's and american fork utah they uh they help me out with bikes and stuff like that and do whatever they can. And then the strict gear company, I've been with strict for 
probably three years. I think this would be my third year, and we had a, a good relationship. We It was funny because my buddy actually rode for him, and I didn't have a gear deal. I was just buying gear, and I was like, hey, talk to you know, the strict people and see if they could help me out. And Dan was, Dan from Strict was a little held back. He's like, oh, yeah, you know, we'll get you set. And I was like, okay, cool. And then we went up to Canada, and I got on the podium at the first Canadian National Series at Kamloops in 2016. Okay. Yep. And so that just kicked us off on a good foot, you know. And then we've been with 60 for a while, helmets, and uh, Atlas Brakes helps us out. They give us some braces every year, which is awesome. And uh, Lucas Oil has been good to us, and that's about it. Those people have been the main people. There you go. Ryan, the new Flockhart over at Atlas Brace, hooking it up, uh, making mm-hmm. things happen, making, keeping, uh, keeping you safe out there. Um, like, uh, just to wrap things up here on the Big MX Radio Podcast Show, like, uh, how much thanks goes to the Rockwell guys and that program and putting everything together for your success this last weekend and, uh, and, and basically helping you out uh, going through the rest of the year? Yeah, it was awesome for them to, to help us out. We uh, we figured it out, and it was really nice that we could throw the bike on the semi and fly up so we could keep training that week, you know? That was the, the biggest part that was helpful, where we didn't have to drive, you know, 21 hours up there and then 21 hours back and just be tired all weekend. So that was, the, that was awesome about it. Fair enough. And what's the plan before Salt Lake City, which uh, very well could be a mutter uh, in and of itself? Ooh. Yeah, Salt Lake. Hometown race, I'm super, hometown race, yep, we're about 13 minutes from Salt Lake, <laughs> not 13 minutes, probably about 30 minutes, sorry, guy cut me off in traffic, but um, yeah, we, we're super excited for the hometown race, that's been a big goal of ours all year long, you know, we're like, we want to peak at Salt Lake, we want to kill it at Salt Lake, so we're really excited for Salt Lake City, and we're just, uh, ride the two Supercross tracks we got down here, and put in as many laps as we can, and get as fast as we can, and hopefully come out swinging fair enough and then uh, plans for the summer uh obviously uh, it's not cheap to go uh, racing outdoors but you want to stay sharp you want to keep racing do you have any plans to go outdoors yeah we're just gonna probably just take the pickup truck do the uh first three ama nationals is plan right now probably in the 450 class but okay that could change but we'll probably go racing first three maybe wash shugle and then um about that time in Utah, there's the RMX series, which is a really good series in Utah. They have rough tracks and long motos. So we usually race those throughout the summer. And then the fair races start popping up, and we usually try and chase those and save up some money to go racing again next year. <laughs> fair enough. Rinse, lather, repeat. Make that money so you can continue racing. Brandon, lethal, leth. It's a really pleasure to have you on the show, my friend. Um, and and uh, we, we'll definitely have to have you on again. You're a good interview. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I appreciate you guys having me.